Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. Hello, welcome back to Therapeutic Life Healing with me, Adit, your host. If you are new to finding this podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy your stay. If you're a returning listener, thank you for being here and returning. I hope that you continue to enjoy these episodes. Today, we're going to be talking about obsessive compulsive disorder. It's an anxiety disorder, and I'm going to be interviewing an expert OCD specialist therapist, Christina Orlova. She's going to break down such helpful tips for us and understanding OCD and anxiety. So stay tuned. And before we dive in, I'm going to just give a couple shout outs to some of the amazing countries that are tuning in. So I can't see you, but I see where you're tuning in from. And that is just so awesome to see that we all come together in this podcast space, in this podcast world to connect. So hello to friends out in Italy and Hong Kong, Germany, Russia, Argentina, out in Cambodia, Nigeria, the Netherlands, Singapore. Hello friends out in the United States and Canada, Australia and Norway, Ireland, Belgium, the UK, just to name a few. So I hope that you have a notebook, a pen, or maybe you're just curled up on the couch or you're on a nice little walk somewhere or hike or sitting by the beach watching the waves crash. Wherever you are, I hope that this episode helps you and continues to be inspiring and empowering as you continue on your healing journey. Let's dive into the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Therapeutic Life Healing with me, your host, Adit. I'm so excited for you all to get to meet one of my dearest friends, Christina Orlova. She is a behavioral specialist who specializes in OCD and anxiety disorder treatment. And we've known each other for quite, quite so many years. Um, and it's so fun to have her on the podcast today. So you get to meet her and I'll pass to you, Christina. Thanks for being here. Can you share a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. Hi, Adit. It's great to see you here. And, uh, yeah, we've been, yeah, we've known each other for a, a long while now. Um, and, um, yeah, so I've, um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been in the mental health field for a decade. And over the last about three and a half years, I've really niched down and specialized um, in OCD and anxiety disorders. I'd say about 90% of who I see and, and what I treat is OCD. So I'm very well versed in OCD. Um, and then about the reminder 10, sometimes it goes up and down a little bit, but it, other anxiety disorders like social anxiety, generalized anxiety, body dysmorphia, phobias, uh, single phobias and hair pulling, skin picking, all that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes, you know, with OCD, things can come together. You can have a couple of different things happening at once, which is known as a comorbidity. Like you can have social anxiety and OCD. 
you can have OCD and depression, you can have OCD and substance use, whatever it is, but whatever combination that comes, I always will start with OCD treatment first and then we'll see what's left over and then based on that, decide what to do from there. So that's that's basically what I do and what I've been involved in and have my own podcast, as you know, that's focused on OCD called OCD Whisperer and then started a uh, Mastering OCD monthly membership to basically help more people uh, worldwide have access to OCD training, um, access to a specialist because access is just really difficult to have. Um, there's not enough specialists and also to make it as affordable as possible. So yeah, that's me. I love that you're here because you are my guru for OCD and anxiety disorder. Like whenever someone's like, can you help me with OCD? I'm like, nope, uh, I can't, but my girl can, and I'm going to send you her podcast or info. Um, so slide into her DMS and send her an email. Uh, and we'll leave all of that in the show notes for folks to find you, uh, because it is a very, um, you know, I think a, secret disorder. A lot of people struggle in silence. And this is something we've talked about off record and it's very painful. So I love that you're bringing it forward for people to have access and information. So it's not stigmatized and, it, and people can begin to really take control of their OCD. So it doesn't uh, really take over their life and, and a way that they can manage it. So Maybe my first question to you is for folks who may not even know, right? There might be some people who are like, I don't know, do, do I have OCD? I don't even know. I've heard it in movies. I've heard it in like thrown around. So how would you define what is OCD and how would you differentiate it from other um, anxiety disorders? Yeah. So um, one thing I will say is that in the past year, really last year, um, I made a decision to actually kind of come out of the OCD closet myself and start to mention to people that I have OCD. And, you know, it took me years before I realized what it was. And like everybody else's story, you, you know, wish you knew it earlier. There's so many things you would have done differently, but you know, it is what it is. You have to just embrace it. Um, so Here's the thing that I hear often. People will say things like, oh my God, I'm so OCD. Oh, I have OCD. Oh, I love to keep things clean. Oh, I like to line things up. So number one, when you're dealing with an OCD brain, absolutely no way do you like it or like to do things because you like it. So it has no, no, no element of joy and pleasure. Okay. So that's the first thing we have to really like demystify this. Okay. So when people say things like, oh, I like to keep my things clean or wash my things, I'm like, right, you like it, okay? Again, there's a pleasure component. There, there's some gratification from it. OCD is a neurobiological disorder. So it's, it, there's, a, there's a brain pathology. So essentially um, your brain circuitry works in such a way where the information is not being processed correctly. So first of all, it's not just that I, I'm sitting here and I'm just over worrying about something, okay? That might be a feature, for example, of like a generalized anxiety disorder where I'm over worrying about things. In OCD, you have really clearly marked intrusive content that pops into your head automatically without control. It just, boom, it just kind of hits you. So it could be um, an image. It could be um, a fear, doubt, thought. It could be even um, a feeling, like something feels off and you can't, you can't suddenly say why, but suddenly you kind of get this like hit, you kind of get hit with this feeling of something, something feels off. You're, and usually when, when that intrusive uh, moment happens, it triggers your flight and fight response at the same time. 
So they go hand in hand. So now what you have is the intrusive, let's say, image or thought of, you know, what if I stab my mom? It triggers your internal alarm system, your flight and fight. So now viscerally, physiologically, you're having changes going through your body, like your heart starts to race really fast. You have maybe racing thoughts. Maybe your hands are getting clammy or you feel like you're going to throw up or butterflies in your stomach, or maybe all your limbs are getting heavy. Those are all symptoms of your flight and fight response being turned on. When your flight and fight response is turned on, if anybody knows what that actually means and is, you know, it's, we're designed in such a way that that system is there to protect us. So if there is a threat present or danger, we want that system to turn on so that we then respond. We either then will flee or we will fight, or sometimes we might even freeze. Okay. All of those responses are designed to bypass your rational mind so that you can actually just respond to survive. Okay. So in the OCD brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is kind of like if for people listening and like, imagine where your forehead is kind of in that area, that's the area that's kind of the hot seat for OCD, where you have all this intrusive content that pops in. It triggers the limbic system of the brain, which is kind of in the back of your head. So your flight and fight response turns on at the same time. So now you're going to look at that intrusion and you are not going to have the capacity to perceive it correctly because Again, like I just said, when your flight and fight response turns on, it's there for protection, for survival. It bypasses the rational mind. So you can't think clearly, analytically, and objectively. So you tend to misperceive. So you might start to engage in what we call uh, or know thinking patterns, like, like catastrophic thinking pattern, or you might be jumping to conclusions, or you might um, start to personalize things. Or you might start to think, oh, because I feel this, then therefore, you know, X must be true. And that's known as emotional reasoning. So these are all cognitive distortions. So these, these are distorted thinking patterns that start to go on. So because of that, you now won't be able to tell the difference if this is in fact an OCD threat or is it a real threat? And so because your system gets temporarily hijacked and you can't tell the difference as humans, the number one thing we all do is we're meaning making machines. So we're going to look at that experience and go, oh, that must mean fill in the blank. So it could be, oh, that must mean maybe because I have that interest of thought and I'm having some sort of physical reaction that, oh my God, does that mean I want that thought to be true? Do I like the thought? What does that mean about me as a person? Am I maybe a bad person then? So you start to question what that means. And typically you're going to assign negative um, definitions to it. So you're not going to be able to see it in a neutral way because you don't understand what's happening. And oftentimes people will say things like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like I can't control this process. Like these intrusions just pop in. Now, here's the thing. Most of us human beings, pretty much every human being, if you're a human, <laughs> you have had some sort of intrusive content at some point in your life. It's normal. Like it happens. It's just, it's just something that happens as a human animal, right? But when you have OCD brain, it's like that process, um, instead of being filtered out in your brain, so you can recognize it as just a garbage thought of like, oh, that doesn't like, that was random. Like, why did I think that and toss it away and move on? It, your brain doesn't filter that, right? So everything goes through. So you start to look at that as something that's meaningful, that has value, and that says something important about you as a human being, okay? That's in a nutshell what OCD is. So it's an anxiety disorder, it's fear-based, and you then engage in repetitive behaviors, 
known as compulsions because that is your attempt to try to solve that problem. That is your attempt to try to get rid of that feeling of anxiety or guilt or shame or whatever got triggered in you emotionally. You're trying to neutralize that feeling and you're trying to work really hard to prevent that bad thing your brain says could happen from happening. So even if you might recognize that this seems irrational, whatever the intrusive content is, because there's a small chance that it might be true and you're not sure if it could be true, you're doubting, which is what OCD is at at the center hallmark. The hallmark of OCD is it's a doubting disease. So because you're so unsure if this bad consequence could happen, you want to make sure that it doesn't happen. So even if it, even if, if, it's like a 1% chance that something bad will happen because it triggers the fight and flight and it feels so intensive. You're going to work really hard to try to make sure that even that 1% doesn't occur. So you kind of get lost in this process. And the more compulsive behaviors you engage in, the more you're working hard to try to get rid of this process. Inadvertently, what you're doing without realizing it is you're actually reinforcing it. You're actually telling your brain, oh, this, this, this went from maybe it's a threat to, oh, this is a threat. So the brain gets the message that you responded. So it's going to go, oh, we need to produce more of that signal. So it's going to give you more of that intrusive content. You're going to have more of that feeling. And then you're going to do what? You're going to want to step in and try to fix it again. So so you get stuck in this vicious, vicious cycle. And it feels horrendous. It feels terrible. So how you know it's OCD is you want to kind of ask yourself like, okay, First of all, am I stuck on some sort of a thought process or some sort of a thing that just popped in my head? And am I am I moving on with life or am I still not moving on? Am I still stuck on this thing? Number two, you want to look at what's happening to me. Am I, am I feeling a lot of anxiety around it? Am I feeling maybe guilt or shame or some embarrassment or something where I feel really stuck with that? And then you want to ask yourself, do I have a strong urge like, like it feels really immediate to me. Like I have to do something about it. Like I have to do something about it now. Right. Cause there's an immediacy that comes with, with um, um, the compulsive feature. So when you feel a compulsion rise, it usually feels really urgent and really immediate. Like you have to, like you have to, you have to fix it. You have to fix it now. Um, so those are kind of key things to look for. Right. So if you're worrying about something, typically people can worry about stuff and then they kind of move on and forget about it in the OCD experience you're not moving on. You're stuck in this doubt and uncertainty. um, And it's like, you're constantly trying to figure out that riddle. You're constantly trying to get an answer to this question. And so when you can't get an answer and the more you use common strategies like logic and rationale, which typically is what we do as humans, we think about stuff and usually we get some clarity and we can move on. Right. But in OCD world, that's actually not how it works. That's the, that's the polar opposite. The more you analyze and think about it, you might notice that suddenly you can't get off that cycle. You keep thinking about it. You keep trying to analyzing it. And you might not realize that what you've just done is started to engage in a mental compulsion. So now you think you're thinking, but you're actually not thinking. You're just compulsing. You're going, you're going in this circle um, and, and you're constantly trying to analyze and problem solve, but you're actually not getting any answer. You're not getting any more clarity. You're, you're just stuck in this repetitive kind of hamster wheel, if you will. So that's going to be a clue for you. Like, wait a second, something here is off, right? Because instead of being able to get clarity and move on, maybe I feel like I got clarity for a minute, but it's very short lasting. And then I'm right back to trying to figure this out and trying to solve and resolve this puzzle. Um, so the common strategies that people use are don't, really don't work for the OCD brain. 
Thank you so much for that explanation. I love the way you talk. Like it just, it's, it's just so clear and it makes sense. And I really appreciate your vulnerability and sharing that you even struggled with OCD and still do. Oh yeah. OCD is a yeah. life condition. So the, the only thing that, you know, once you realize and you get the proper diagnosis is just once you learn the right strategies, you can definitely, the beautiful thing is it's, it's, it, there's treatment that's evidence-based that works. Once you do it, you really can kind of get control back of your life, but it doesn't mean you still don't have flare ups so that you still might not have a you know, little moment. Like overall, I'd say I've been, you know, really doing great overall, but every so often I'll still have flare ups. I'll still have stuff that kind of, you know, I, I'll get snagged, but it's just, I can recognize it what it is. I can see it and go, ah, like, wait a minute. Like, okay, I got, I get what's happening right now. My OCD brain just went online. And so then I know what to do in response to that so that I can shorten that cycle and step away from it and not give in to any of those, you know, internal urges to want to figure it out. And that's what I love is when people who are vulnerable and share like in this, uh, like the, you walk the talk, right? Like I've talked about my depression and like, that's something I'll always, like I struggle with, uh, I can easily go into a very deep depression. And so it's now over the last few years, I've really become intentional understanding my patterns, what works for me and how to break, like, where's the intervention point. So it, so I break it. Um, and, and that helps me cope and manage and live a thriving, fulfilling life. So it's not, you know, a death sentence to have a diagnosis, you know, I just want to kind of like destigmatize when you have a diagnosis and, and, uh, it's not the end all be all, like you can have a thriving, fulfilling life. And that's why I really appreciate you coming out and sharing because people can look at you and be like, Oh, look, she's like, a role model. Um, well, what's possible? Is it's, it's totally doable. Here's yeah. the it's, it's like with anything in life, and I always make this point: like anything in life, please don't think that you know I'm just gonna come and you know do do this thing real quick, and somehow I'll bypass this process and get some magical pill, and it's all gonna be done and over. Like anything in life, to reap the benefits of your harvest, you have to put in the work. Yes, like anything consistently. Else. Yeah, you, you, you know, it's not going to be forever, but for a period of time, yeah, you may need to, you know, go and do your exercises and do them, do them consistently, maybe do more of them versus less of them so that you can proactively retrain yourself and proactively is, is proactive is the proactivity is the key, right? So be proactive about it so you can relearn and that's how then you get to reap the harvest, right? You get to reap the benefits because then you get to learn how to tell the difference between what's happening and know what to do. I mean, girl, my podcast, okay. It took me four months. <laughs> before I got my first episode out, because one of my issues is perfectionism. Are you kidding me? When I first got headphones and the microphone, oh my, I just said, hello, hello. And I started laughing hysterically. <laughs> I, nervous. I broke out into a sweat and I, and I shut everything down. Mm. I don't think it's this. I don't think I can do this. Right. And then I had a, a, a guy hired to help me. And when I finally got my first, like ep- the first, the very first episode, he definitely like, <laughs> He didn't even realize, but he facilitated like an exposure for me because we put it together. He showed me how to like, you know, like what to write, how to link things, et cetera. And he goes, okay, uh, publish it now. I'm like, what? He goes, press publish now. I'm like, well, well, well why, why don't we wait a couple of days? <laughs> now. I'm like, well, well, why don't we wait like a week? It's okay, but we can like, let's think about it. Maybe we'll edit. He goes, no, now. And I was like, ah, and he made yeah. me publish and I published it and I like lost my mind for a second. And I got so many fear thoughts like, oh my God, people are going to hate me. My voice sounds terrible. I don't know what I'm talking about. All that normal stuff. It's normal. Yes. Right now, fast forward later, I'm like, yeah. I can sit and podcast morning, noon, and night. No problem. Yeah. Yes. In the beginning, oh my God, I was sweating bullets. Yeah. Every, like, 
I, every episode in the beginning that I was doing, it was constantly sweating bullets. <laughs> well, that's what I love about you. It's like you share and it's like, it helps others to see what's possible. So let me ask you this. Cause I, I know some listeners would, would ask, um, and I, I coach a lot of women who are struggling with anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder. So for those women who might be like, okay, well I run anxiously. Um, what's the difference between like a generalized anxiety disorder versus OCD? And, Cause they're all under the anxiety umbrella. So what would, how would you explain that to somebody? What the difference would be? Yeah, I actually, funny you asked that. I actually literally created a couple of posts around this on my Instagram because this is such a common question. Um, so with generalized anxiety, one of the features there is that it is not, um, so generalized anxiety, you have a lot of worrying and over-worrying and usually it's about real life events. Like, like typically a hallmark of it is you can have three different, um, it usually requires like three different real life events, like death, money, work relationships, let's say. So like, even though OCD, you have intrusive content, right? It's things that pop into your head automatically without your control. In generalized anxiety, you have excessive worry about actual real life events. Like what if I get fired? Um, uh, what if, what if, uh, in this relationship will, will get, you know, it will, um, like it won't last or I'll get divorced. So it can sound the same, the what ifing, right. Cause it can sound like I'm doubting and worrying, but the feature also is that usually with generalized anxiety, when you're engaging in safety behaviors, it's, it's more because like a safety behavior might be like, I'm going to keep excessively worrying because I think I'm problem solving. Right. And so as I'm doing that, um, I may not still solve the problem, but I'm not per se driven by the fact because I think that there is some big feared consequence that I'm trying to avoid, right? In OCD, you have incessant doubting, persistent, unwanted, intrusive thoughts, images, or fears, and your repetitive behavior is there to neutralize the possibility of, of a massive consequence from coming true. So the way that this looks when I'm sitting with somebody is that, and, and in treatment, is when I'm working with somebody who has more generalized anxiety, we actually will apply logic and rationale, and people tend to get more clarity, and we tend to work our way through it. And then typically things resolve. In OCD, for example, we will never apply strategies that are going to involve trying to think your way out of OCD, because it doesn't work in that disorder. Um, so... Um, also with generalized anxiety, you have to make sure that you're having these features for at least six months. Okay. In OCD, for example, I've seen folks where it, it can be less than that, but, but again, one of the hallmarks of OCD is remember it's persistent unwanted, intrusive thoughts. So it's not like I'm just sitting here and worrying about, you know, um, money, right. It's that I'm having intrusive content that like, if I don't do the certain behavior, then I will, let's say, I will never make money. So it's a very different um, thinking process that it's attached to and different outcomes. So it's not just an excessive worry. It's, it's There's a very real life consequence that you are profoundly scared of from coming true, okay? Um, and OCD has a lot of different subtypes. There, and what that means is there's a lot of different themes that can emerge. So it can sound similar, but this is why you have to see a specialist so that you can really get the right assessment and understand uh, what's going on. So it can, it can appear like somebody has 
these similarly sounding thoughts, but the more we, um, the more like when I've done an assessment, what really becomes very evident and clear is again, there's not like this pressing consequence and loom and doom kind of experience or threat that's coming through. It's more like, no, I'm just really nervous and worried about this and I'm, and I can't seem to stop worrying about it. I hope that kind of answers it. Yeah. So if we were to take an example, like um, let's say I, I, someone's struggling with anxiety and the thought is, am I making the right decision? Um, am I, you know, for example, let's say, you know, I entered into a graduate school program or um, I'm in this relationship and should I be in this relationship or uh, this job promotion? Should I apply or should I not apply? Right. And then they go into really kind of this um, constant rumination and worry of like the uncertainty of, am I in the right graduate school program? Am I in the right relationship? Am I qualified for this promotion? Um, and I obsessively think about it without a sense of grounding in the knowing. Um, is that anxiety? Is that OCD? That like excessive worrying. Now, remember, we can't I, I want to put a disclaimer right now for the listeners. This, this, this right now moment does not mean we are actively diagnosing, right? So we got to be clear on that. But just to clarify the point, like even just from the little example you gave to me, that's the kind of stuff where I would say, okay, that sounds already like you're excessively worrying. So I would say, okay, what do you do about that? What do you do when you worry about that? So a person might say, oh, I, I just worry about it all day. I think about it all day or, or I'm really, I'm really worrying about like, if it's really the right decision, I don't know if maybe I should go to this graduate school or not. Okay, that's that quality. An OCD person would not necessarily, if it was an example like that, but OCD, it might be like, I'm really scared of if I made the right decision, because if I didn't make the right decision, and, and if I go move forward, then my whole, and if, if I made the wrong decision, then my whole life is going to fall apart. And then I will never get that right job, and I'll be homeless and destitute. You hear that consequence in there? right? There's that feared consequence, feared. So the feared consequence really comes through. So it's not like I'm just excessively worrying. It's, it's the level of that, that feared consequence is so great, right? So there's a lot of catastrophic thinking, right? And that feared consequence is so great. It causes me so much anxiety that now I can't make a decision period. And then it's followed the wrong decision. And then it's followed by a compulsion. So an act. Right. So the compulsion would be in that example, it might be uh, profound avoidance of, of making any decisions ever across the board in anything. It might be um, seeking reassurance from your loved ones. So asking them, is this the right decision or not? What do you think? You might be asking others to do a pro and con list with you about the decision and still not arrive at a decision because you're still unsure and you're doubting. Now, with, with somebody in the first example, if we sit down and say, okay, let's look at a pro con list. Let's really walk through what would this mean? What would be you know, the impact for you if you actually moved forward? And we go through that kind of process. They typically would arrive at, at some sort of a, uh, uh, they get some sort of a clarity, some sort of an answer. And usually what I've seen people do is say, okay, I'm going to take this next step. Okay. And the, and the other example we're not taking steps. And the more we're doing this pro and con list or anything like that, we're not just going to get sucked right into this loop of trying to 
use logic and rationale to analyze this. And all it's going to do is, is continuously make you feel confused and lost. And it's going to just feed your anxiety through the roof. Mm-hmm. So an intervention, like to take your example of the podcast, which I, I appreciate you sharing is like, you have to cut the, at some point you had the intervention is like, you have to use the exposure therapy. You just have to take action to start cutting from the loop continuing. Is that well, exactly? I mean, if we're talking about OCD, the, the the number one treatment still the number one treatment. Please, people, hear me. It's still the number one treatment is exposure response prevention, uh, the, and, and of course, we will um, also include things from acceptance commitment therapy work um, and mindfulness components. But exposure response prevention is the number one cognitive behavioral um, therapy strategy that we use for OCD. So, people who are hearing that and have no idea what that means, what is that? So acceptance and commitment therapy is like a third wave of CBT. CBT stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so exposure response prevention is just one way of doing it. But ACT, acceptance commitment therapy, is kind of the next evolution of doing cognitive behavioral therapy. So what, what's been added in there is more the understanding that we really want to um, help people engage in more psychological flexibility, recognize that we want to really live a life and make decisions and, and take action based on your values, not on your negative feeling states. And then there there's a there has to be a willingness to feel um, the experience, whatever the experience is. If it's a positive experience, great. And if it's not a positive experience, to still allow the experience to be, not fight it, not wish it away, because the more you do that, the more you get stuck in it. So so really recognizing how willingness plays a role in you actually getting better and moving forward. So we take aspects of from this um, kind of next evolution, if you will, of behavioral therapy, like like working, like doing some acceptance work, incorporating values and willingness, and we we take some of those elements and we use it alongside with exposure response prevention, um, and we also do incorporate mindfulness because in OCD, well, just like any anxiety disorder, but basically you're never here. You're either thinking about something that's already happened, or you're you're thinking about some future that hasn't happened, but you're never actually here present in the moment. Um, so we really help people, um, you know, we want people to learn how to anchor to be in the here and now and really connect to their physiology, connect to their thought process and really understand what's actually happening to you. So you can make a better decision and a different decision, um, that again, will be, will be influenced by what's actually important to you, not by a negative, uh, feeling state. And another question, Christina, that came when I asked on Instagram, people had questions for you was, um, if I have a family member or friend, and they're worried about, you know, maybe um, them struggling, and they're not really sure what it is, maybe it's OCD, maybe it's not, they don't really know, right? They're not a professional, but they're noticing something. And um, how would you advise a loved one to get someone who might be struggling with OCD help? What would be the first step for them? Um, that's a great question. So one thing I always tell folks is look for things that are going to be repetitive. So you want to look for things like, you know, if somebody's like doing a lot more avoidance than not, um, if they're seeking a lot of reassurance behaviors. Um, and then if you kind of are seeing like, yeah, something seems kind of a little off like that. One great resource is the International OCD Foundation. Um, there's a wealth, wealth um, of education and handouts and videos and all sorts of things 
Um, you can also listen to my podcast. I've literally had a lot of people respond back that when they listen to episode one, two, three, four, I think it's the first four or five episodes, but they talk about the first one is about what OCD is. And I think episode three, four, five gets into the different subtypes and different compulsive behaviors. So you start to kind of get language and understanding of what are the different things that could be showing up. Um, so that could be another resource. And then, you know, you might share this with the person and say, Hey, you know, I've noticed you doing these couple of things. I mean, I always recommend, of course, you want to come from a place of love, right? Like, it's not like, Hey, I'm trying to just call you out, but more like, you know, I mean, I'm always a fan of teaching people to say, look, you want to kind of give like a little, uh, preface, um, before you go into, you know, a difficult conversation. So you might say something like, you know, I love you so much. And, you know, because I love you so much, you know, I, I really care about your well-being and I want to help you and do anything I can for that. And so with that in mind, you know, I've noticed a couple of things. Like I notice that sometimes you tend to really avoid, um, you know, let's say um, sharp objects. Or I notice that whenever the topic of relationships come up, um, that you'll kind of start to incessantly ask questions and kind of repetitive questions. Um, maybe you think they're different, but they're kind of the same. And I notice you kind of get anxious and like seem to not be able to disengage from the topic. You know, like I kind of looked some things up or I, I listened to this one podcast that talked about this and I kind of researched it a little bit and I wanted to share it with you and just kind of see if this resonates. Something like that. Um, and then kind of, you know, see where the person goes from there, you know, because sometimes a person might not be aware and it's great. I think if a loved one notices something and says something like, don't be afraid to upset the person, you know, even if they get upset, that's fine. Like prepare for yourself. Yeah. They might hate me. They might get whatever. Just, just already think of the worst case scenario. So you can go into it saying, fine, like that, I'm going to take that even off the table for myself. I'm already going to anticipate that and predict that they're going to just, let's say, lose it, right? That way you make it easier for yourself and then you can just expect that and then be surprised. They might, they might not, right? But if they do lose it, it's okay. You already knew, you knew that could be an option, right? So even if the person has a big reaction, let them have it, come back a couple of days later and say, hey, can we talk about it now? Don't give up, don't stop, you know? So come back and say, let's, let's revisit that. Like what happened? Um, because it takes somebody loving like that and somebody committed to your well-being to just show up a couple of times, um, you know, for the person to really see like, yeah, something's going on here that may be worthy of me checking it out. Um, and then the International OCD Foundation also has a great um, section where you can look up providers. Um, so you can find providers who, depending where you live, um, see if there's somebody in your area, because typically, like, for example, I'm licensed in the state of California, so I offer telehealth sessions in my private practice, so I can work with anybody as long as you're in California. So you can live anywhere in California, right? But if you now live, I don't know, Texas, New York, wherever, I, I wouldn't be able to, to treat you because my license wouldn't, wouldn't allow for that. So you, so what they do is they have providers across uh, the States. So you can look up and also see who, who's available, what they offer. Um, next step after that would be getting an actual um, assessment, getting a professional assessment done. So you can actually get an official um, confirmation of what's going on. And if it is OCD, the sooner you can get that confirmation, the better 
So you can really start talking about what the right treatment is, because I cannot tell you how many people, and it really is sad, you know, they'll see um, therapists who, one, don't specialize in OCD, have not gone through the training, um, and the training actually is part of um, the International OCD Foundation. They offer a, a training you have to go through, so you can then be on their website listed as a specialist. And they'll, they'll, they might use, you know, a cognitive behavioral approach, right? But they might use something like a thought record, which for those who don't know what that is, we don't have to get into that, but they'll use a strategy like a thought record where it helps you analyze your thinking to arrive at a more rational, objective way of thinking. And what did I just tell you about OCD? That is literally counter, like that's the polar opposite of what you want, right? So when you don't know how to treat OCD, you might be teaching them a strategy that's actually the wrong strategy. Um, and then all that person does is they get more into their head and they do a lot more mental compulsions without realizing it. And then they start to feel more anxiety and they start to feel kind of like frustrated, like, like I'm not getting better. What's going on? I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. So that's why it's so important to make sure you get the right diagnosis so you get the right treatment and the right strategies in the right order. Um, because that might be something that I'm, for example, might teach somebody, but not in the beginning. Like in the beginning, I'm going to teach you different strategies to address your OCD thoughts. And then afterwards, let's say if you still have some depressed thinking or depression or you have something else, then I'll teach you these other strategies and I will give you very clear training and I will belabor this point because I want to make sure you are, you understand the difference when to use something like a thought log to use your analytical brain. And when you don't want to use your analytical brain, because you have to be really clear on when to do what. I can literally talk to you all day about this. It's just so amazing how you break it down and simplify it and uh, help us understand better. I appreciate your time. I, I would love for folks, again, if you can share where they can find you, your work, your membership group. And I'll list it in the show notes, but if you can share a little bit. Yeah, yeah. so um, on Instagram, it's OCD Whisperer. Uh, the podcast is literally OCD Whisperer Podcast. Like it's super simple. <laughs> um, for the membership, uh, it is Mastering OCD. So for that, you have to go to my website, which is Core Results, K O R Results.com forward slash membership. Um, and I do want to say that um, a caveat is I actually am going to be changing the price point of the monthly membership to be $59 per month instead of what I currently have, because one of my missions and visions was to actually create an OCD training platform that will be accessible and also financially affordable for anybody around the world. And what came to my attention, which I did not kind of put together before, but some people who are internationally based because of the dollar exchange, it actually ends up being more expensive than not. So it literally goes against my mission. So when I kind of realized that I was like, wait a minute, I have to adjust this. So it's, it's currently at 97. That price is no longer valid. It will be 59 moving forward. So if you do want to join, um, you can just reach out to me directly. And um, because I'm in the middle of making that, that change. Um, and then in the membership, it's where you have, there's six weeks worth of, worth of training that I've pre-recorded. You have worksheets um, and every week I have a live group Q and A call. So every single week we hop on that call and whatever the module of the week that you're working on. And if you're not clear exactly what's where or how you get to jump on, ask your questions. And it's, it's really great to be amongst other folks because everybody so far 
uh, the members I have have said it's just nice to first of all see other people there, like that they're not alone, and also to hear other people's um, obsessions and compulsions and how and kind of normalize it. Um, and also sometimes folks might be further ahead of you, so they might have different also suggestions or tips they give you. So it's it's really a nice experience. And then there's a private Facebook community where you know I'll do different posts. Um, and if I've created like a resource library there, and also in the membership there's a resource library I've created because. Once a month, I have a specialist come in and do a topic training. So we're constantly learning about different subtypes and, and different compulsive features. And so the topic training gets recorded and placed in the resource library. So if, you don't, if you're not able to join that day, you can always watch it later on replay. Um, and then, you know, people tell me what they need and I'll create it and put it in there. So. And if there's one thing on your heart intuitively that's left to say that hasn't been said for folks listening, uh, what would you say to them? That's a great question. You know, in the land of OCD, I'll say this, um, too much time is wasted on doubting. And so even if you're doubting the treatment and even if this membership is not, you know, the right fit for you, it's fine, but just get the right treatment, please. If you're listening and if you are not sure if you have OCD, please, please do not wait any longer and actually go get your assessment, go figure out what it is and then find the right pathway for you. Whether you're going to buy an online course that's ERP based for OCD, whether you join a membership like mine or whether you reach out and find a specialist to work with, but do it and do it now because there's, I just, I really don't want people to spend more time circling in their head and doubting. So even if you're doubting treatment, even if you're doubting um, if you can get better, please hear me. You can get better. It does work. It's possible. It's doable. Um, so just please, please go for it. Yes. Invest in your well-being, invest in your mental health, and yeah. it's possible to be free uh, from the struggles of OCD. And yeah, manage it. Life is not yeah. waiting for any one of us. So, you know, you, you got to make That's it. True. You got to make some decisions. You got to make some moves. And I really hope that you make some moves, man. Yes. I love that about us. You and I off record, we're always talking about just taking action, making moves, making it happen because no one else is going to do it for you. Right. You got to do it for you and yeah. how much better your life can be because of that. Decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't mean you're not scared half the time. I mean, like I just said, I've been freaked out a lot and I've wanted to jump ship and quit a lot, but you know what? I will feel it and say, well, that's great. Christina, we're still taking a step, a step forward. Yep. It's do it anyway. I yep. love that attitude. Yep. I respect you. I love you. I'm so thankful oh, for your you. time. Oh, this was uh, awesome. It was so great. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. Please find Christina's information in the show notes. Um, definitely give her a follow. And if this episode spoke to you, definitely reach out to her um, and the resources that she's shared. Thank you. Thank you so much, friends, for tuning into today's episode. If you have some time, please take a moment to subscribe to the episode and take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. And to leave a review, the review helps connect to more listeners from around the world to find this episode and find this podcast. So thank you for taking time to leave a review. If you want to dive deeper into your healing journey, go ahead and reach out to me and schedule your free 15-minute consultation. Wherever you are in the world, we can set up a virtual session online and it's confidential and whatever you're experiencing whether it's a breakdown, a breakup, a life transition, you just need a little bit of accountability, whatever it is, you can reach out to me and we can have either one breakthrough session 
or we can set up a package plan and set you up with some individual coaching sessions to help you along the way in your healing journey. Reach out to me at hello at aditsi.com. That's hello at aditsi.com. It's also in the show notes. I provide individual therapeutic life healing coaching sessions to women from all over the world through virtual sessions. I also have a virtual therapeutic master course that you can enroll now and start today in the comfort of your own home. It's on my website, aditsi.com. Just click on the service tab and click on virtual masterclass and check it out. You can see a preview of the introduction and get a taste for what the three-week course will look like with the entire curriculum that you can view online and see if it's for you. Feel free to email me if you have questions and I cannot wait to see you. Wish you so much joy, so much fun, and so much healing in your journey. Thank you friends for being here. Stay safe, stay blessed.